You're listening to the Auxiliary Gate Podcast, Kentucky's weekly horse racing discussion. And now, here are your hosts, Alan Schneider, Brandon Jaggers, and me, C.C. Broadus. Hello and welcome to this edition of the Auxiliary Gate Podcast. I'm CC Broadus, joined by Alan Schneider, as always. Hey, everyone. How are you doing? And uh, unfortunately, Brandon Brandon Jaggers is not going to uh, join us this, this evening. Uh, apparently, he's had a pretty rough day, and I think he may be still caught at work. So uh, we're going we're gonna to go with this without him. Uh, first of all, happy Super Bowl weekend to everybody. Alan, do you have a, do you have a selection for the, for the Super Bowl? Oh, you know what? Uh, I just love football. I, I rarely get... I don't bet on football, and, and I don't really root for and against teams. I just love the sport. Um, that said, I don't have any problem with Tom Brady like some people do. Give me the Tampa Bay in a, in a, in a close one over Kansas City. It should be one hell of a game, actually. I can't wait. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm leaning toward your side. I think the Chiefs are three-point favorites, and I think we're going to lean toward the, uh, the Buccaneers. So it uh, should, be, should be a fun game to watch, though. So, but uh, tonight – we have another special guest. We've been really blessed to have uh, a lot of great people join us, and uh, uh, tonight is, uh, is is no different. Uh, our guest this evening is an orthopedic surgeon specialist practicing for over 28 years while residing in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, growing up in northeastern Ohio, he was introduced to the thrills of thoroughbred racing at a young age when uh, attending Thistledown in Cleveland and Waterford Park, now Mountaineer Park, in West Virginia. Uh, fast forward to May 3rd, 2019, when he was thrust into the sports national spotlight. That was the day his red and white checkered silks were carried to the winner's circle of the historic Kentucky Oaks. And that was aboard the remarkable three-year-old Philly Serengeti Empress. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Joel Politi to the Auxiliary Gate Podcast. Joel, how are you doing? I'm great. And, you know, hearing just you saying the words of, you know, my Philly carrying my colors to the winner's circle – put a big smile on my face. <laughs> well, we're we're going to dig into that here shortly. Uh, I got a lot of questions about that for sure. I, I, oh, for I, under, sure. I understand you've, uh, you've been put on the shelf for, for a few weeks. Is that the case? Yeah. So, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm an orthopedic surgeon and we fix bones and I had a fluke accident where I broke my ankle. So I am, oh. I am officially laid up, but, uh, I'm starting back. It's been about three and a half weeks. I'm starting back to, uh, on Thursday. So, Oh, good we'll, deal. Yeah, so we'll be getting back into the swing of things here. So quick, you're going to start in the mornings. You'll do like three furlong workouts, and then you'll go. Yeah, I got to start. Uh, I got to start probably with some jogging, galloping, work up right. to my breeze. You know. Right. Right. <laughs> I yeah, love it. Good. I love it. That's good. So, uh, do you diagnose yourself? <laughs> How does that work? I know it's. Uh, well, we- if it doesn't gross out the audience, I'll tell the story of I I fell and my ankle actually dislocated, and I was sitting alone. And I popped oh. it back in place and held it there until my partner came to my house and got me. So, yeah, I diagnosed myself that night. <laughs> oh, wow. oh my you're, goodness! <laughs> yeah, you're more more of a man than I am. That's well, for sure. About that, but <laughs> you do what you got to do, you know. Right, right. So, uh, so let's talk about your past first of all. Uh, your, your early years as a racing fan. Uh, how did you get introduced to the sport at such a young age? Well, so I grew up in Youngstown, and Youngstown's kind of a steel mill industrial town, but my dad, who was a physician, had a, a pension for going to the races, and so he he did all kinds of crazy things, including we bought land 
a little bit out and he built a barn, a 12 horse barn in the backyard and with no real experience. And it just started breeding horses and racing horses. And, <laughs> and so, uh, from the time we moved there when I was four years old. And so from the time I was four on, we had horses in the backyard and babies and mares. And, um, and I went to, uh, you said it already, but I grew up every weekend. I was at Thistledown every weekend. And then, uh, and then Youngstown's right in between Thistledown and what's now Mountaineer, which was Waterford Park. And we would leave Thistledown, stop by the house and then drive to Mount to Waterford for the night racing and go to night racing. And, um, and when the season was dark in Ohio, we would drive to Laurel for the weekend or sometimes down to Turfway for the weekend. So no um, kidding. Yeah. Man, I mean, you're serious. All right. <laughs> I mean, to say that I went every weekend was a true statement. I mean, we were there just, I probably went 48 out of 52 weekends to the track. I mean, you know, it's what we did. So, uh, and you know, I started going when I was young and we went and I loved it. And, uh, I loved the horses. I loved the, the, the whole, uh, the physical aspect the the athlete perspective of the animals. And then I also was a math geek and I loved handicapping. So from a young age, I was, uh, you know, I would pick the races from when I was 10 on. And so that was my, that was my childhood, you know? So you migrated to the Columbus area. How did, how did you wind up there? Um, so I did a, a med school residency and then I did a fellowship in Boston and then we came back and um, I had family living still in Northeast Ohio and Columbus was close enough that I could get to see them. And it's a great city um, living in Columbus. It's, it's really a great place to be. The only downside to Columbus is that I moved here. And if you follow, you know, Beulah was a very, you know, lower tier track. But it was okay. We'd go there once in a while, and um, they they closed it and moved it for the, to move it to Mahoney Valley now. So by the time I moved here, they got racing in Youngstown where I grew up, and we lost it here, which was a little bit of a bummer. But um, you know, Kentucky's not that far. It's a three-hour drive for me to get down to Churchill, Keeneland, and so I make that trip as much as I can. So that, well, that was my next question. I was going to ask you if you ever had a chance to attend Beulah Park. Sounds like you did that a lot. What was uh, what was that track like uh, for you? And uh, just tell us about any any, uh, any experiences you had there. I never got a chance to go to, to Beulah. Yeah. So um, we we my dad would run on the Ohio circuit. So we would he had Ohio breads, and um, we went to Beulah in the because they raced winter in Beulah at, when I was a kid. And so we would go there. They uh, and and. If you've been to Thistledown, Thistledown's an industrial-looking track. It's enclosed. It's um, it's not fancy-looking. It's turned into a racino like a lot of places. And um, but I have a lot of great memories there. My dad had a box. We just sat there every weekend, and and that's where we were. And we come down to Beulah, and if you looked at Beulah, it was built forever ago. It was only a three-story grandstand. Um, the dining room had two stories. You could barely see the track if you sat in the dining room. Um, you know. But they actually had a really beautiful paddock, uh, big trees and really well laid out, I would say, on the very pretty side of paddocks. So, um, you know, it, it was like a lot of small tracks. It's one of the things I feel bad about this. Um, the, the industry is that a lot of these small tracks have closed and that's where I cut my teeth. And that's where you become a fan. I mean, going to Mountaineer on the, or Waterford on the weekends or Beulah Park and um, so there's no track in Columbus. So young kids aren't going to the track in Columbus anymore. Um, and I mean, you know, if you've been to a lot of places, if you, I mean, I've been to 
we had a map, you know, the, the map that used to be in the daily racing form when we were young. Yes, yes. And so I would uh, check off the tracks that I'd been to. And my dad and I went to a lot. And when, when I got married, my wife is a really good sport. And we went to track. We go to Phoenix. I went to Turf Paradise or, you know, wherever it was, we'd pop in. I went to Prescott, uh, to Prescott Downs in Arizona. I mean, you know, I hit tracks everywhere just to check them off the box, you know, uh, check the box. And um, so anyway, if you've been to a lot like Fairmount Park in St. Louis or um, I would say Beulah kind of falls into that category. I mean, it's, it was nothing fancy. It was very unimpressive. But for those who went there, it was what we had. And, you know, I mean, that's how you, you fall in love with the sport, you know. That's uh, more. That's kind of how I feel about Ellis Park. Ellis Park is the it, it's not impressive, but it's the type of track you want in your backyard because it's just it's just like home. You know, that's kind of how I feel about, about Ellis. So let's let's uh, talk about the. Uh, that a little bit more. What What is your favorite uh, small circuit track that you've visited over the years? Huh, okay, let me think about that. Um, <laughs> so I would say favorite small circuit track. Um, well, uh, maybe nostalgia, okay, but uh, you guys have been there, I'm sure. The old River Downs was really quaint. Oh, yeah, summer, I've been there. Summer racetrack. They had a dining room that was actually nice, and then they had that huge open grandstand they do they do face painting and clowns and stuff and it's great for kids great for kids great for kids it was a really cool track um and um i mean i've hit all the big ones you know and um and i think when you go to a smaller track there's an element of nostalgia that that's going to hit you if you if it's got memories like you know the smells and tastes and sights and so i had a bunch of memories my dad when i would make the five-hour drive down to river downs and watch some horse run in a race and then drive right back home, you know? And, but, um, but that was, pr- those are pretty good times. You know, we want to, st- he won a steak there, uh, with an Ohio bread when I was probably, I don't know, 16 years old. And I mean, that was the greatest drive home ever, you know? I mean, <laughs> what about your, uh, your, your favorite destination in racing? It would be like a Saratoga or a Churchill Downs. Yeah. What, what would that be? I would say that, um, uh, my opinion has changed. So, I had been to maybe 20 years ago, I would have told you Saratoga would be it. And I still would put them right in my top couple because there's something really special about Saratoga. But I've been to Keeneland now enough times that that Keeneland is my special place because there's just, I'm, I'm, you guys, that's your home track there, right? I mean, pretty mm-hmm. close. It, it, there's nothing like going to Keeneland. Um, you know, the bugler calling them to post, you know, the, the two minute warning, just the smell of everything, people out there, um, the trees, the paddock. I mean, just it's just it's racing like picturesque racing should be. You know, I mean, that is indeed correct. <laughs> so. So, Joel, uh, at what point were you encouraged to take your own plunge into owning thoroughbreds? Well, so um, it was 2005 and my we had I had moved to Columbus in 2000, and I have four daughters, and uh, that keep that has kept me really busy. And um, we kind of settled into a point of life was, um, you know, I, we have chaos in our life just by nature, <laughs> just by you know four kids and busy practice and everything else. And so, 2005, um, I put together I put together a bunch of partnerships, and um, in 2005 I put together a partnership with a bunch of my friends, and we all chipped in a little bit of money. And um, we claimed two horses um, out of Keeneland 
in 2005, in October of uh, 2005. And um, Bernie Flint was our trainer. And um, we, uh, we did great. I mean, uh, it was called Giddy Up Stables. Um, yeah, I know that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so we, yeah, we had we were in for a long time. So we claimed Moon Over Miami and Safe Play in October of 2005. And uh, Safe Play went on to win some big, some decent races. He ran a over a hundred buyer at Oakland that winter. Um, and we were riding high. I mean, it was the greatest thing. Then he got a chip in his knee and that story then plays out a different way. But, um, but anyway, I had a bunch of my friends in on it and we rode that wave for a long time off of that initial investment and a ton of wind pictures. We ran horses all over the place. We actually bought an Ohio bread that we ran at Beulah park. And all of us went out there when he won two races there that Bernie shipped him up to win these races. And, um, it was a lot of fun. I mean, uh, and, and so, uh, and then after that, I mean, I kept that partnership going. And then w- one of my partners in practice, orthopedic surgeon, and I put together a different partnership. We bought a bunch of horses that was Cardinal stables and we ran under Cardinal for a long time and, uh, ran a bunch of horses. We had some pretty good horses in there. Um, and then, uh, I did some other partnerships, a couple of friends of mine that are kind of East Coast guys. We did Lonely Boys. Um, and then I did a partnership with oh, another one that I ran with one of my friends in Kentucky. And so anyway, that's that was like 2005 all the way up to about 2016. And they were all partnerships. And I didn't have anything by myself. So I ran and did everything. I did the whole deal. Um, but it was all just for me. It was like 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 for you, this podcast. But. A lot of it for horse racing. It's social. It's fun. You mm-hmm. go have, you hang out with your friends. You know, um, the camaraderie is as much of a good time as you know anything in the whole. You know, doing this by yourself is a lot of fun if you're having success. But there's, it's much more fun if you have a lot of people sharing it with you. That's exactly all right. You get to share the success and you share the misery as well. There's something to be said about that. that that's <laughs> yes. 100% certain. I know that for a fact. Yes. <laughs> oh. With your uh, with your partnerships, did did how did you select horses to claim? Was it all up to the trainer, or did you have input, or did you have somebody else giving you no, advice? No, so I basically picked them all. It was just me me doing it because all my friends that were in it were all they were none of them were horse racing people, so they were just my friends, and they would just let me run with it. And um, so um, so we used Bernie for like I don't remember exactly three or four years. And then I switched over to Tom Amos at that point. And, um, and then, uh, that was like 2008. And then, um, you know, uh, and then we claimed horses. I mean, that's what we did basically. And it was just me looking at the form and, uh, what once in a while, Bernie would call Bernie would call me once in a while and say, Hey, what about this? What about that? Um, and then, but with Tom, same thing. I mean, once in a while he'd call me or I'd call him. And, um, so it was basically just, you know, just like handicapping the races, you, it, it, it isn't that hard to figure out, you know, there's patterns and you know, who's trying to get away with something. And mm-hmm. you know I mean, not that it works out every time because that's not how it is. <laughs> that's truth. Uh, so you purchased, uh, a very, very special Philly, uh, around 2017 at the Kentucky or excuse me, the Keeneland September sale. That's right. Uh, that was Serengeti Empress. She bought her for $70,000. Uh, her sire alternation was not what you would call a commercial sire. So there was a bit of risk there. Uh, do you, do you recall, or can you recall what happened prior to uh, purchasing that Philly? Yes. So, um, 
so Tom had been training for us and, uh, and pretty much we had just claimers. I mean, we claim horses and we were trying to play the game that actually a little bit, you see those guys playing now with maker, you know, if you see the maker claims are claim a horse that is just out of like, uh, in the 50, 62, five range. And how many times has maker done that where he's turned those horses into Thanks, you know, Zulu, horses. Zulu alpha, but go down the list. I mean, he's got, I don't know, 30 of them. Right. I mean, yeah. And um, so we were trying to play that game and um, we had some success with some horses, but, but I talked to Tom all the time and uh, I'm, I'm kind of like a, you know, uh, you know, in basketball, they call somebody a gym rat. They just want to hang around the gym all the time. Well, I'm kind of like a track rat in that I would love to just go hang out at the track in the morning, not even for the races, just go hang out in the morning and watch them train and do everything. So um, I got to be pretty close with Tom and, and, uh, and about, Two years before, two or three years before that, he went to the sale and bought Mo Tom. I don't know if you remember Mo Tom, but yes, Mo yep. Tom he bought for I don't know exactly, but we'll say about a hundred, hundred twenty thousand. Mo Tom went on to make like eight hundred or something. He bought, and then he bought um, uh, the next year. He went and bought Lone Sailor, and Lone Sailor made one point something million. million. Yeah. Exactly, and that was another hundred twenty thousand dollar purchase. So. Um, you know, some people have an eye and some people don't, and that's how it works, you know? So, um, actually listened to you guys podcast of, uh, Richard Klein last week who I'd met before. He's a really good guy. And he said, you know, same thing. Some people have an eye and not, and Bernie Flint was one of those guys. Yes. And, he did it. And Kenny McPeak is one of those guys. And I'm going to tell you, Tom Amos is one of those guys. And so, um, with a very limited sample, Tom's gone to the sale and bought horses. And, uh, I, had, I saw him go and pick out the ones he even had a couple that didn't make it because they had issues. So I said, okay, that's it. I'm in. And, um, after Lone Sailor broke his maiden, I called him. I'm like, look, you're going to the sales. I'm going to go with you. And, um, so I went that year with a much more limited budget and just dipping my toes into the water. And, um, we had a budget set of about a hundred thousand and which it's a lot of money. I mean, it's a lot of money, but in the world of the Keeneland sale, it's not right. Right. That's right. And so we went and um, we looked at horses and our whole deal was just buy an athlete. You know, I mean, we're we're going to buy an athlete. And um, so we looked at a bunch. And if you look at her page, she's out of an unraced Bernardini mare that had a club foot. And past that, it's Argentinian, like second and third dam. It's an Argentinian pedigree. And they did well. One of them shipped to, um, uh, I think, UAE and was graded stakes place in a UAE, you know, graded stakes race. And. But but it's a very obscure pedigree, which there's quality in there, but you just don't know because it's not North American. Um, and nobody knew at that point that Bernardini was going to be the broodmare sire that he was either, you know. So we definitely got lucky on that. But basically, I'll give all the credit. This is a Tom Amos pick based on athletic looks. And 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 I'll tell you, the page is and, and I don't mean to slight alternation, but you don't have to really know anything more than to say that she's his horse, you know. I mean, yes. That's right. And, and, and so I'm not trying to disparage alternation, but, but she's his horse and, and past him, past her, he hasn't really done a lot. At that point he was a no name first crop sire. So, um, you know, that's why we got her for 70,000 and for her to be by alternation out of this obscure page and fetch 70,000 just says how good looking she was, you know? So let's fast forward a, a year later, Serengeti Empress broker maiden, over the summer, uh, the following summer, as a two-year-old in Indiana Grand, and then she uh, she shipped to Saratoga, where she ran fourth in the Schuylerville. Was that the first time you've ever raced a horse at Saratoga? 
yep, that was my first start at Saratoga. And, um, and, you know, Tom thought she was pretty good in the morning. And, you know, I think he's a really good judge of talent in the morning. And he was like, she's really good. And I would never push him to say she broke her maiden. And then two weeks later, she ran in that stake shipping from Indiana back to Churchill, Churchill to Saratoga, and then hooked the big girls, you know? And, um, so it was a little tall task. And then in the stretch, uh, um, we had, uh, uh, I think we had Castellano riding that day and, uh, he dropped the whip top of the stretch and, and she just didn't fire. And that was it. And I thought, well, she ran fourth. We have a really nice horse. So I'm okay, you know. <laughs> but then, but then, <laughs> but then, but then, yeah. Uh, I remember this from next race. I remember yeah, a few weeks one. later, she just uh, demolished. A, it was a mediocre field uh, at the Ellis Park debutante. She won by 13 lengths that day. Uh, I, I remember this race only because she took a lot of money late, uh, and but uh, man, she looked good that at that point. Uh, but the national attention kind of started to uh, to come in when uh, she just absolutely destroyed the, the Pocahontas stakes uh, in September. She won that race by 19 links. I was there that day. and, and uh, I've never seen anything like it at church. You don't see things like that at Churchill. You don't see that. <laughs> you don't. Yeah, you don't see 19 length victories for sure, especially in stakes races. Uh, so no, I know. I mean, uh, the day she won at Ellis, um, I mean, again, I've been going to the race since, since I was forever and and my dad had some Ohio bred stakes winners, a bunch of them, but they were Ohio breds. And when she won that race at Ellis that day, I was over the moon. Like we have a nice horse. I mean, this is crazy. <laughs> and then, and then I was just, you never know, like, you know, you, you, you know, not to count your chickens. Right. And so we went and ran the Pocahontas. And when she ran that day, um, I didn't expect, uh, nobody would have predicted what she did. And when she won, like she won, um, it was just jaw dropping would be the least descriptive thing I could even say. I mean, it was, it was unbelievable. It was very surreal to think that she did that. It was crazy. So what were your feelings after the race? I mean, was, what, what were you thinking? Um, well, I was in shock. I mean, in disbelief really. And, um, we had a couple of our really close friends with us who, um, came along for the ride, which really made the day so much better. We had a group about eight or 10 of us and, um, we, it, it all happened and it was just crazy. And Joe Christopher inter, interviews us afterwards. And he was like, I've never seen anything like this. And, you know, you kind of think that, and then somebody else says it out loud and you're thinking, Whoa, you know? Um, and then, uh, you know, I've never been involved in a horse that good or had something like that. And we, they usher us off to this private room where they like open a bottle of champagne and toast her. And I'm thinking, <laughs> you know, this is crazy. Right. I mean, uh, and, and, um, it was, it was just, it was overwhelming and it was, um, it was, uh, euphoria. I mean, for anybody who's ever owned a horse, you dream of just winning a race. And then you think, man, wouldn't it be great if you could win a stake? And then you win a stake like that. And you think, well, you know, you don't even know what to think. I mean, it was crazy. So she went on, I think she was off the board in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies. As I recall, it was almost an impossible pace scenario. Yeah. But uh, she started her three-year-old career winning the Rachel Alexandra Stakes at Fairgrounds. But then after that, uh, you know, it, it, it looked like she was back on track. But then she finished last in the Fairgrounds Oaks. And later it was kind of determined that she she bled badly 
and it was uncertain, you know, what her what, about her racing career going forward. Uh, what were your feelings? Uh, what were the feelings in your camp after, in the aftermath of the, the the Fairgrounds Oaks performance? Well, you know, you go from high to low pretty quick. And um, when when she won that Rachel Alexandra, the same day she won the Rachel Alexandra, War of Will won the uh, the boy stick, whichever it was that day, the Lacan. Risen Star, yeah, Risen Star, yeah. Risen Star. It was Risen Star, you're right. And so. So Will Warrell Will wins it. And if you look at their splits and their time, she was faster the whole way around than War Will, who is a legitimate horse and a colt at that age. And so I th- going into the um, into the Fairgrounds Oaks, she was I don't remember what her odds were, but I think she was two to five or something like that. And, you know, two to five horses, they're just supposed to show up and, you know, get your picture taken. right? Yeah. And so you're going in thinking, boy, this is going to be great. And then. He, uh, James Graham was riding her. He pulled her up afterwards and did not come back. So we were there. We had a big crowd and we had a big crew with us and um, my family and we're all standing there and he pulls her up and doesn't come back. And I started thinking the worst thing. I thought, okay, just let her be fine. We'll never run her again. She's probably done something and we'll, she'll be a broodmare and this will be fine. And we'll just, we're happy for what we have. And, yeah. um, and that was my mentality right then. And then, Turns out she bled, which was nowhere near as bad as obviously fractured a sesamoid or bone a tendon or something, right? And so um, we went back to the barn, and I came. I went to the barn the next day, and I said to Tom, I was like, "Look, we're under no pressure to run," and he said the exact same thing. And one of the great things about Tom is uh, we're I think we're on the same page almost always on all of our thoughts. So there's not a time that he's thinking one thing and I'm thinking something different on horses which is really great and um i pretty much left it to him and obviously i would because he's the expert and um the intent was we were debating whether to run or not but we were really not going to run and he's told the story a bunch of times but he was going to just not run her because he didn't want to put the scrutiny of the world that was when all those breakdowns had happened in santa anita and mm-hmm. and the world was really you know putting a microscope on the horse racing world at that point and um so he was going to just layer up and say, that's it. We're just going to give her a break. And uh, if you haven't heard his story, he basically sent her out and told the exercise writer, just gallop by so I can take a video of her. So I can prove to everybody she's sound. There's nothing wrong with her. I'm going to post this on social media and say she's going to get a break. And the exercise writer either misunderstood or whatever and took her around and she galloped around like a beast. <laughs> and, and she kept going around and around. And he came back around. He watched her and he was like, she's telling me that she's okay. And, um, and we just, you know, took it day by day and about 10 days before the Oaks, there's a video on XBTV of her working and she went in 58 and change in hand. And, um, I mean, she's just a beast, you know, (laughs) and, uh, that day he scoped her, she didn't bleed. She was totally fine. And we were like, we're going to go. So. So let's talk about this Kentucky Oaks victory. Uh, you were somewhat ignored in the wagering. I think she was sent off 13 to one that day. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the, all the wagering action gravitated toward fillies like Bellafina and restless rider. Can you maybe tell us some, uh, Kentucky Oaks day stories and, uh, and your thoughts kind of leading up, leading up to the race in the, in the yep. days prior. Yeah. So, um, as great as the win was, and really it was, um, when, uh, uh, when she won a race at Churchill as a two-year-old, the the to be at Churchill on Oaks Day and have an Oaks runner, just in of itself, that experience is something that is a once-in-a-lifetime. So 
they give all the owners of the Derby horses, but on Oaks Day, the Oaks Phillies, you get your own little suite that is ground level right by the winner's circle. So it's this open air suite that's covered and there's a bar in the back and you, you could bring 18 people. And um, it was the greatest day ever. I mean, we, <laughs> we had, I had 18 people in this box. We rented a, I went down early, but we rented a bus from Columbus, brought all my friends down and um, a mini bus, you know, and they came down and spent the day and we got, they got there early and we were in this open air suite on the first floor of Churchill, just soaking it up. And right next to us, we're all, they're all contiguous. We're right next to all the other 14 runners. So on one side of me is restless riders owners. And the other side of me was, I think street band maybe, but, um, so we're, you know, just right with everybody. And it was a beautiful day. And then we walked over to the barn and, um, hung out there for like an hour just hanging out before the race. And then we did the walk over with her and, you know, there's a hundred thousand people and everybody's cheering and yelling and waving at you and you're stand walking with your, you know, beautiful princess. And, uh, I mean, it was, uh, it's a memory that you just, you got to put in a bottle and save forever. You know, it was, it was unbelievable. So now you've won the Kentucky Oaks and your name, Joel Politi, is now etched in the in the Churchill Downs and Thoroughbred Racing lore as as an owner of a Kentucky Oaks winner. Your your name is up there with the likes of Brereton Jones, Mary Lee Whitney, Calumet Farm, Eugene Klein, MC Hammer. <laughs> MC Hammer <laughs> won true. the Oaks with Light Light. Light 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 Light. light. Uh, yeah, Redmond actually, I, I like being in the in the same category as MC Hammer too. By the way. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, just just that alone, can you put that into into some type of perspective? What's well, it like I mean, to join those the join the ranks of those uh, you know luminaries? Well, I mean, I, honestly, I have to pinch myself a lot of times through this last two years because, um, you know, she's been on national TV and been one of the favorites, and certainly in the spotlight when they talk about her. You know, I've recorded all those shows and watched them, and you know, they'll put it. You know, when you guys when we watch national races, the owners will be. Judmont, you know, Prince Khalid or, or, you know, Darley or, or this multi conglomerate that's, you know, got five owners that are all billionaires or how many owners do you see ever that have a single owner anymore? None. Yeah. I mean, and, and so I, they come up on the screen and they'll be like this owner, he's a billionaire, this owner, that's a partnership of 30 people or this owner, that's this. And so I see my name come up there and Honestly, I have to pinch myself every time. I mean, it's it's a it's a you know for any horse owner, this is the dream come true for sure. So, Sarah Empress finished her career with seven wins from 19 starts, earnings of over two million dollars. And I got to tip my cap to her. She is fantastic. She's just a brilliant filly that she would run her race and just it would look like she laid her body down, and then she would come back maybe a month later. And you just, when you're handicapping a race, you're like, ah, she's going to bounce. That was that, that effort just had to take everything out of her. And, and she, every time she faced a, an unbelievable pace scenario, there's always two or three other speeds in the race, but every single time she brought it, she brought her a game every single time. I, that's, she, she's a phenomenal filly in my, in my opinion. Thank you. I think so too. I mean, those races, when we, when we finally figured out that we just needed to shorten her back up at the end, um, you know, she went in the Saratoga race, the ballerina and in the Derby city Distaff for seven furlong races. She went in 43 and change both times. Yes. 
Yeah. One of the, the Bell Arena is one of the most amazing races I've seen, and the and the, and the distaff too at Churchill. I mean, those those fractions. She was pressed. She broke poorly at Saratoga and still in forty three for the half and won. <laughs> I mean, it was uh, um, that was uh, that was a jaw dropper. I mean, that it was that was a jaw dropper. And and the Derby City distaff, you know, I know she lost. I swore she won that day. And um, and 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 two jumps past the wire, she was back in front and. I'm taking nothing away from Bell's the one, but man, I mean, I, it was a shame to lose that race, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, sometimes I think you learn a lot about horses in defeat and just as much as you do in victory. And I think that was, that was a case there for sure. Uh, uh, so she's been retired and she's going to be bred here shortly. Uh, where is she now? And, and who are you going to breed her to? So she's at TaylorMade farm. So she was fold, um, at TaylorMade. She was bred by a partnership of, uh, um, Trias Equus, which is, um, some really great guys that are tailor-made guys. And, um, they are, uh, so, um, so we, we took her back home basically. So where she was fold is where she's going to live out her life, which is a cool story. And, um, I can't say enough about the tailor-made guys. I think the world of them, uh, they're honest and upstanding and, um, and they love her there and they send me you know, updates on her all the time and, um, they're super proud of her and, uh, and they treat her like a queen there. So, um, so anyway, she's at Taylor made and, uh, she's going to into mischief, uh, in actually like two weeks. Outstanding. So do you plan on keeping the foals and racing them or, or <laughs> you go to auction or has that been decided yet? Well, so, um, you know, in the whole evolution of having her, right. Uh, I was offered to sell her at every step of the way for money that was funny money. And, um, and to me, I thought, look, I'm never going to have this again. And if I get that money, I'll have money, but I won't have her. So I'm going to just take this as far as it'll go. And look, a lot of times that just doesn't work out, but this time it did. So I'll take it. Right. And, um, yeah. and, uh, so now, uh, she's, uh, she would be considered to be part of our family. And, um, and so, we'll have babies with her and um my wife and my daughters are pretty invested in this whole thing and so i know how this is going to play out we're going to go see the little baby that thing's going to be as cute as a little foal will ever be i'll be running around and the answer is going to be we're not selling that (laughs) (laughs) so i mean uh, i guess you know i don't know what the future holds but to say that we never sell any of them i don't think that'll be true but we're I mean, you know, part of this is the sport of it and enjoying the whole thing. And if, if I don't have to sell, um, then I think it'd be great to, it'd be a great story if she had some babies that turned out to be as good as her, huh? Well, racing needs more owners like you. I think that's, uh, that's for certain. Uh, Alan, do you have any questions for, for Joel? Well, real quick, uh, Serengeti Empress, where'd the name come from? Did you name her? Yeah. So, um, so I said, I got four daughters and, um, there's lots of spirited, um, activity in our house all the time. And, um, one of my daughters at one point, the song, uh, Africa by Toto. That, that's what I was wanting to know if it's from Africa. Keep going. <laughs> yeah. So, so, uh, this was, uh, August and she played that song. This was before Weezer had made the remake and before it had kind of gotten rejuvenated for real. Nobody was playing the song and she like locked onto that song and for a month straight she played it and then one night we um we have a cabin that's out on a uh, way out in the middle of nowhere and we were there and 
my daughters were all belting the song as loud as they could sing it for like an hour straight. And I was like, okay, we're going to pull something out of the lyrics of this song. And it turns out we looked up the lyrics and the lyrics I looked up said rises uh, like an empress above the Serengeti. The true lyrics, as I learned later, is that rises like Olympus above Serengeti. But what I pulled up then said uh, an empress, and I'm going to stay with that story. So <laughs> I have always wondered it because in the song by uh, the song Africa, that, that word Serengeti is the word everybody links on to. And yep. I thought maybe I thought maybe just maybe that's who you named it after, which I was hoping for. That's great. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I kind of take it as a tribute to my kids. And, you know, if you get the privilege of naming a horse, you should do something that means something to you or maybe something to mean something to their pedigree. And so to me, you know, I picked name him kind of in honor or just, you know, uh, of my kids. So it's awesome. So, you know, now, you know, we love Serengeti Empress. Like I said, Serengeti Empress was a freak who also was tenacious as she proved in her four year old season. So you can't say enough about Serengeti Empress. But however, I seem to believe you might have another nice young one on your hands, right? Just one at the fairgrounds, correct? Yeah. Tell us about um, Little Tootsie. Yeah, so um, uh, we went to the so we went to the sale again. Um, when I've been to the sale now uh, four or five straight years with Tom, and um, we bought some other good horses. Um, I bought a filly the next year that broke her maiden, almost broke her maiden at Saratoga, broke her maiden, wound up at Fairgrounds. Uh, she's a nice twirling candy filly, who I'm actually going to breed this year. And then um, I've got and I went to the sale that next year, and I took my Serengeti money and. Um, put it all back in basically and I bought a bunch of yearlings and um, so little Tootsie is one of them and uh, she's a um, she was she's a tapature filly that is really stunning looking and when we saw her at the sale uh, both of us uh, were just you know gaga over her Tom and I and um, so we bought her at the Keeneland sale uh, basically eight whatever 16 months ago and um, she took a little time to come around because she bucked shins this uh, summer. So we had to give her a little bit of time. Um, but she was showing she was precocious all along. And um, I sent all of them down to Woodford, uh, down in Ocala. That's where they got broke. And then they're coming along. And they thought a lot of her there. And then she came up. And, uh, you know, Tom is, is short on the compliments on – he's stingy on saying somebody's going to be good or not. But he, he's he's liked her from minute one. And um, – and, uh, so that last race uh, was was definitely a, a if she can just reproduce that race she didn't even have to get any better she's a really nice horse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's a very impressive maiden uh, win down there at the fairgrounds. I think that was on Lecompte Day, wasn't it? Am I, am, I, am I wrong about that? Yeah, it was. Um, <laughs> yep. Yeah, she ran. I mean, for all the geeks out there that care about numbers and handicapping, she ran a nine on the sheets and she ran. Uh, which is on a ragazine for a two-year-old, or maybe not three, running a nine is ridiculous. And wow. um, and she she went in 109 and change on a track that did not play fast at all that day. So, yeah, again, if she can just reproduce that race, she's pretty good. Can she you know, stretch you, out? You think she can go two turns? Um, you know, it's a it's a good question. Uh, Tapature kind of seems like a miler. And um, although Jesus's team is – doing him proud right now and um her bottom side has a lot of sprint in it so 
um, we're going to not get too crazy ahead of ourselves. It's a little late in the year, unless you're a Baffert horse to be thinking. (laughs) 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 Um, So the plan tentatively, although things could change, the plan is tentatively to run her in the the Dixie Bell next weekend. So 10 days from now at Oaklawn, which is a three quarters stake. And then, um, and then the jury's out. I mean, I don't know that we will or won't stretch her out. Um, but, um, rather than make her do something she hasn't done, we're going to let her do what she's done, you know? Yeah, you know, you were mentioning uh, your affinity for smaller tracks and I have the same, uh, I've been to several, I, there's more I want to get to in, in my time. But one thing when you were talking about Beulah, you, what you didn't mention in CC was remiss about asking you, have you ever met the Beulah twins? Have I ever met those? <laughs> the answer is no. Well, I, oh. see him, I did see him uh, on, on the TV like everybody else, but, but no. <laughs> no, did you ever see him? No, and, no and, they're, and they're definitely, I don't know what happened to them, actually, you know. <laughs> I, I was wondering the same thing myself. I was hoping you had an answer. Uh, so, what, what tracks? What tracks have you? You've been to most of them. I'm, I'm guessing. Hell, you mentioned Prescott Downs. Uh, is there is there some tracks out there that are still in your to do list that 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 you need to get to, whether it be small uh, or large yeah, in this country? I, yeah, for sure. I have not been to the new Gulfstream. I've been to the old Gulfstream. Um, uh, you know, if you want to say really pretty tracks. In southern Florida, Hialeah was one of the prettiest tracks I ever went to. Um, it's too bad that that's gone. And um, uh, tracks, I've been to Del Mar, but I haven't been when they're racing. So I went there when there was a sale going on, but I haven't been to Del Mar for the races. So that's on my list. Um, and then after that, um, I've been to the New York tracks. I've been to the, I've been to Monmouth. Um, you know, if you think of picturesque tracks, right? Um, uh, I, I I mean, there, I would still go to any track in any city just to check it off the list and check it out. But um, I think Del Mar would be the next one that I've been there, but not officially because I haven't been there when they're running. So maybe that's my next one. The Breeders' Cup's there this year, so maybe I can get down there for that. That sounds like a great idea. All right. Uh, have, you been to Ocean, I mean, have you been to Ocean Downs in Maryland? Have you been there? No. I've been to Bowie, Laurel, Pimlico. Uh, but not Ocean Downs. I've never, oh. I've never been to Ocean Downs. That's in Maryland. Yeah, that, it's near uh, Ocean City. That's one people start talking about the tracks they've been to. That's one I can stick them with it. I know they haven't been to. It. <laughs> I can win one. <laughs> um, uh, how about um, uh, in Erie? I went to uh, Presque Isle, but before that was Commodore Downs. You ever been to Commodore Downs? Oh, actually, no. I, wow. I, I went to Presque Isle. <laughs> I was on the way to uh, Canada last year, and I stopped at Presque Isle. So I have been there, and I, I went to Fort Erie, but I yep, been to, I've, I've been to Fort Erie, Greenwood, Woodbine, all that little radius. But um, Commodore's off the of list. Yeah, Commodore's off. Never heard gone. of it. Yep, it's oh, gone. Wow. <laughs> you, you beat me. What, what city was that in? It was in Erie. It was right there, where near where Presque Isle is. But it was a box. It literally looked like a box that they plopped on the ground <laughs> right off the highway in Erie, literally. You could see it really the highway. And um, it was $1,500 claimers running at Erie, Pennsylvania. But we would go there, you know. <laughs> hey, it's fun, right? Because those are no Prescott House. It's right off the interstate. I mean, you can hit it with a rock from the interstate. Yeah. Uh, up there up there near Erie and such. But, wow, Commodore Downs. I, if anybody out there listening to this can beat Commodore Downs, I'd like to know. That, that's impressive. 
<laughs> okay, Paul. Over to you, CC. Well, we'll just wrap up here. Uh, first of all, we got to be thankful to Dan Cronin. He from uh, Fat Ball Guy Racing. He's the one that set this interview up for us. He 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 got us connected. And uh, uh, yeah, you're friends with Dan, right? Yeah. Shout out to the Fat Ball Guy. Yep. Yeah, uh, Dan's a really great guy, and uh, of course, it, here's our plug for Fat Ball Guy Racing. Uh, That's so right. Check, check that out. Uh, so, uh, Joel, we'll wrap this up. Uh, you know, we, we're we're happy that you joined us. Uh, we're we're very proud of you for your accomplishment, and that, that Kentucky Oaks victory is just uh, that's just unbelievable. That that that, and and like I said, it's just uh, it, it's a great thing that uh, you have to pull that off. Uh, we wish you. Uh, great success in the future we we one of the things about uh doing these podcasts is we get to root for for our guests horses and uh looks like we've got one to root for in little little tootsie uh here in a we, few we weeks also we got little Sitius also running in oh the, and we're going to run her back in the um in the uh, rachel alexandra too we should mention that shouldn't we then uh chad we should mention something about little Sitius, right <laughs> Well, absolutely. Yeah. Well, we wanted Brandon on here because Little Stitious uh, ran ran his little filly into the ground that that day at, at Delta Downs. Oh, sorry about that. Did you that, know Brandon. that? Color of Dawn. <laughs> oh, Color of Dawn. Stitious. Yeah, right. Yes, I mean she freaked that day, and again, if you're a believer in the sheets, she ran a twelve that day, which is a real number. And um, I I don't know what happened in her last race because she works lights out in the morning, and Tom does think the world of her. But uh, she never been on the lead before, and she there was no pace in there, and she went on the lead, and um, you know she stopped. Uh, so there's nothing to say more than that. Although the the Judmont filly that was supposed to be the second coming went with us and stopped also. So yes. I just it was a path, weird right. It, yeah, Sunpath. So it was a weird race, and it what was. I'm hope I'm hoping that we she just didn't want to be on the lead because um, she's showing in the morning that she's a real filly and. Um, so we'll see. We're going to let her rate. And um, I guess that's a plug for her for next week at big odds. She will be big odds because people are going yeah. to throw her out off of her last race. And um, and she's going to rate. And if she can reproduce that Delta race where she ran a 12, she's as good as any horse in the race. I mean, so. So it's a big weekend for you next weekend because you have uh, you have little stitches in the Rachel Alexandra. And at Oakland, you have little Tootsie running the stake, right? The Dixie yeah. Bell, correct? Yes. Wow. So it could be a big day. Although. I've been here before where, you know, it's a wah-wah, so hopefully not. <laughs> hey, we're pulling for you. We'll be watching. Hey, you're, our new pal, you're our new pal, Joe. We're going to be pulling for you. Love it. I love it. One quick question before you go. When you handicap, do you, is it uh, ragazins for you, or, or do you, what else do you use? Um, well, you know, I was growing up, so there was nothing when I was growing up. There was just the racing farm, right? So mm-hmm. I was a pay- I was a pace handicapper, and we used the track variant, and I would adjust all the splits based on the track variant. And, um, you know, uh, so, and I would compare like times on like days. So, you know, basically all these speed figures are comparing like times on like days. So I would pull old races and do my own internal mental speed figure because they didn't exist. There were no buyer figures back then either. And so, uh, I use the racing form as my like, um, blueprint. And then I, if I'm really betting or handicapping i'll pull i'll get the rags for that day the sheets for that day and um but uh i'm a pretty big believer that that's that's the gold standard as far as some speed figures so um that'll be my go-to although i'll pull things from everything and i think that pace is a really big deal 
So, you know, you can't just live and die on the sheets or final time. There's just, you know how this works. There's so multifactorial, right? So, mm-hmm. um, right. so I mean, uh, I, it depends if I'm really handicapping, I'll sp- sit for an hour by myself and just, you know, put everything in front of me and, you know, get to business. And that's fun. I love that. He All sounds right. like a hybrid of you and me, CC. Yeah, we probably. He sounds like a hybrid of you, of us two. I say this at every, at the end of every podcast. We need to hang out more. Yeah, you know? I'm all for it. <laughs> I'm down with I agree. that. I can, I can learn a few things. That's for sure. So well, I don't know about that. I seen your pick, CC. You do great. Oh boy, <laughs> I don't know about that. I had a bad day Sunday, but anyway, so we'll, we'll, we'll end on that note. Uh, like, uh, but uh, Joel. Again, thank you so much for spending your time with us. Uh, I know you're a busy man, and uh, we're very grateful that uh, you decided to spend uh, this evening with us. Uh, so, like I said before, just uh, good luck on your future endeavors, and and like and you know, hopefully we'll meet somewhere down the road soon. Yeah, I'd like nothing more than that. I really appreciate you guys having me. Thanks. All right, thank you, Joel. That's Joel Politi, everybody, the owner of Kentucky Oaks Champion Serengeti Empress. Good night, everybody.